Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, guys? Sonia Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado on another Rock Your Socks episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast, where we are sharing and telling the real story of cannabis and hemp through the eyes of the entrepreneurs who and change makers who are pushing this incredible industry forward. As you know, it is our mission to empower you with the truth about cannabis and other holistic remedies that you can use to transform the way that you feel and function on a daily basis, but more importantly, empowering you with the choice, the choice of freedom, freedom to decide how you want to care for yourself and the people that you love, conditions that you may be suffering from or otherwise participating in the growth of this incredible industry. I invite you now to like and share this content. When you do, you are a part of helping us transform the way that we think about and talk about cannabis in our families and communities. With your help and by taking this one simple action, we have been able to impact hundreds of millions of people's lives around the world close to 300 million to be more specific. And I thank you very much for helping us transform the legalization landscape around across the country, but certainly around the world as we are pulling people in from all corners of this amazing planet earth. Check us out at medicalsecrets.com if you're looking for products that you can depend on to deliver the results you're looking for. And if you're a budding entrepreneur or business owner in this space, Feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear your story. Sonia at medicalsecrets.com and I'll be looking forward to connecting. You guys, today, once again, me and my minions have pulled some incredible entrepreneurs out of the woodwork and today's guest is no different. A certified clinical nutritionist, cancer survivor, and vegan of over 30 years, he, our guest today, has worked in the nutritional industry for over 15 years and has his own company, Jeff's Best. With his brands of Jeff's Best Hemp and Jeff's Best Blends, Jeff has been an innovator and leader in the hemp industry for over 10 years. Years And we're going to be talking about the benefits of hemp foods, CBD, and hemp agriculture, and how each one of these things contribute to the healthy, happy, vibrant um, planet, but also people that are utilizing these products. Put your hands together and help me welcome yet another incredible guest and change maker, my good friend, Jeffrey Von Stetten. How's it going? It goes good. How are you? I'm doing amazing. So excited to have you on. You're on lockdown in California. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what your background is, and how you entered into the cannabis and hemp craze. Oh, covered so much good stuff. Um, it, in in addition to just anything I've already just shared, you know, being vegan, clinical nutritionist, and a cancer survivor, I you know I love being able. Uh, People have a better quality of life. Everything that I wind up doing usually is out of my dissatisfaction for my choices that are in the market. And uh, you know, being someone that's worked in this area and in this field for quite some time, I I tend to get frustrated sometimes with different offerings. And that's that's always been the basis for what I for what I do. I try to make the stuff that I want to see in the market and that I really think helps to add and add a wider variety of choices and to do it better, to do it clean, to do it right, and to make the products that I would want to find for myself. It's not just... I I think there's a lot of companies that are out there that just sort of do stuff and they don't have that that investment. You know, there's uh, Sometimes you have companies that can be more fad-driven and that's just certainly not the case. I, I make... Uh, I make products that I would want to see in the market for myself, and I try to incorporate uh, both my own personal health struggles and my uh, my, my family's, uh, you know, a lot of lot of loss, uh, you know, into what we do. I've I've lost a lot of family members to 
uh, cancer. I've lost a lot of friends um, to various illnesses and to Parkinson's, things like that. And I, I think I take all of that, you know, both the, you know, the happy, the sad, the dry, the innovation, and I really put it into everything we do. It's, it's always personal with us. It's never just business. Amazing. And you say that you've been a part of the hemp I call it the hemp revolution because let's be serious. The people have been <laughs> teaching and preaching about hemp, you know, long before it was a quote unquote craze and a sub niche mm-hmm. of the cannabis industry. Um, back in the days of the rainbow gathering, which has been around for, you know, decades now, this was yep. a huge point of conversation. However, not necessarily adopted by mainstream or urban communities. It was sort of like those trippy hippies over there think that we should like, you know, preserve our planet with biodiversity diesel, but we're not so into that. Um, and now the urban community is like, yeah, fucking hemp masks. Like, don't you have one COVID, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> yeah. so it's a definite paradigm shift. I'm happy to see mainstream adopting it. However, can't help but feel a little protective over the veterans. So 10 years in, I would consider you to be a veteran. Um, talk to me a little bit about the landscape then and the landscape now, and how did you start to integrate hemp into your product line and communication with uh, customers or even personal use back then, um, you know, to bring you all the way to this point where you're now one of the leaders in the space? Yeah, totally. And, and just to make sure I start the timeline at the right spot when you say back then, like you, you mean sort of towards the origins of my company, correct? Yeah, towards the origins of your company. And, and you know, when I was going through your bio and information, it spoke specifically about how you had been involved with the hemp industry for over 10 years. Yeah. Um, and so I, and I recognize that in you for sure. And I'd love to hear you speak to that because it was difficult to assume it was difficult to first be a, a teacher and a preacher around the health benefits of, of hemp 10 years mm-hmm. ago. That was a difficult conversation. Um, but today it's like, yeah, don't you, you, it's like mainstream, you know, mainstream stuff. So I would love to just hear a little bit of the contrast and how you were able to bridge the gap back then and how that supported you being successful now. Fully. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, hemp's something that I've always been really passionate about. And it's something that I had come back to and revisited over and over. Um, and as I had kind of gotten my company going, part of what, part of the momentum all led to it was, I mean, I've always, you know, I'm, I've been vegan for 30 years. There's a quality of products that I've always looked for. Um, I've worked in, you know, a couple of the different top health food stores. And I was never really happy with some of the selections that I had found. It was some of the same, just basic, uh, you know, just BPA laden kind of canisters that stuff was in. The proteins were at a poor grind. Some of the oils had some dirt and dust in it. And there wasn't a lot of good, there wasn't a lot of good attention um, on a number of different levels. I didn't see a lot of good attention to um, packaging in a way that was really necessarily safe it was geared for light shipping but it wasn't always it's never really in the best interest of the consumers and prior prior to launching my online i'd always had the good fortune of working with companies in the vitamin industry that i i felt helped sort of steer the way to at least offer things that were really clean and pure having things that were packaged in mass and um making sure there's no xenoestrogen problems uh, the way that the healthy fats interacted with the you know the packaging and um you know i just was not happy i didn't see a lot of innovation that was going right there weren't products that fit my goals as somebody that was a health enthusiast and somebody who really just was looking for that nice clean superfood uh just like hardcore driven line everything was sort of lackluster and I didn't see a lot of progress. I didn't see a lot of innovation that was there. And that was what had really fueled my ability to start getting things going. I saw that there was some opportunity, but there wasn't a juice. I didn't see a lot of juice that was going. And so it, it literally took me about two years uh, you, you know, to try to give up some money uh, to help launch my first products and... Um, you know, during that time, I sought out different farms, different supply companies, and learned. Just really tried to make sure that everything was solid. And uh, it took me about two years to save up cash just to get 
you know, my first two products launched. And I've always been really true blue, being grassroots, you know, no, not to make myself vulnerable to dancing to the tune of what shareholders do and don't want. I've never tried, you know, we don't work with financial investment firms. I don't have investing partners. Like, that's it. We are untouched and untethered and just ready ready to rock and be really independent. It's always been really important to me. I don't want people making any pressure doing any of my products uh, that's other than me. You know, I'm where the buck starts and stops. And that's always stayed true. And when we launched some of those products, I wanted to try to give customers and define things for myself that really fit that, that niche uh, to help with some innovation, like I had mentioned, when I when I was first getting things going, there just wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of energy that was just getting put towards really making better. Like some of the proteins weren't weren't at a really good grind; they were a lot more coarse. They'd sink to the bottom of the glass, and um, I thought there was room for improvement there. So we started doing it, like doing like my first two products were our protein and our cold filtered hemp seed oil on the just even on the hemp seed protein i'm like okay well can we do the grind more fine can we make it smaller fresher batches can we work with farms that are getting paid fair deal prices instead of having to work with a supplier that comes in and bullies farmers and balls them on the uh on the cost per pound of their seeds which had been going on at that time and there growth if you want to make that and that was how we got them. And so for like the protein, you know, most of our contemporaries, I think, had it at about 15 or 14 grams per 30 gram serving. We did it at 16, so just kind of knocked it up a couple grams of protein, put it in glass, make sure that there's no xenoestrogens, no BPA, no contamination, nothing that's screw up the production, nothing that's going to, you know, screw up your, your inner gyre the screw the average it's going to keep everything nice and pure so it's people friend and dolphins everything's cool and that's the way i wanted it uh, and then we took uh with like the filtered hemp seed oil uh, that's that was something that i had seen you know another room more room for improvement on there was a couple companies that were sort of marketing stuff in these like i don't know how you describe it like these squeeze bottles that were done with a petroleum shale derived EPA laden bulk. Um, but it would hide the quality of the oil from the customer. It had a, another little plastic filter at the top and it was just awful. You know, if you would cut open the bottles, you would see some dust, you would see some dirt um, down there that sometimes they would try to pass off as lignin. And it's like, it's not lignin. That's just another word for, it just means that it was really poorly poorly filtered and that when you when you're pressing seeds you know for oil you're not you don't go and rinse them off and do things you just kind of shake it through if you get wet they can they can mold and go bad so what gets you don't do any type of cold filtration uh on the on the oil to get out any dust any of the soot any of the sediment then all you wind up with is you get you know it gets pressed into that oil and i thought that was also really shady and so we tried to knock that up and you know take that up a notch and so we do a cold hemp seed oil that's done through a proprietary process that gets out any of the soot any of the sediment any of the dust any of the gunk that goes straight into a glass bottle where you can see it all the way through uh it's an amber glass bottle of course just fda approved uh, that keeps out sunlight um helps to protect it as as best as humanly possible you know knows the no BPA, no problems. And th those were some of the first two products that I got going. Um, and the climate, the climate back then, to be really honest with you, like getting going in that industrial hemp uh, market for, for those foods and for trying to offer improvement, those two areas was pretty ripe. It was it was really good. We, we had a really good reception to that. We had a body care section as well that came along a tiny little bit later that I had going for a little while and then I temporarily stopped um, uh, just when the economy kind of went bad. The thing that's really weird, and I've told people this again and again and again, when I first got my company going for industrial hemp, it was 
we we've come full circle and then kind of gone another you know 90 degrees in the wrong direction because like when i launched my company um it was really easy in the sense that i could at least get good marketing goals and have good merchant processing and industrial hemp uh really being dealt with a little bit more responsibly like we had had that you know the the uh the victory uh, that had taken place um, that, you know, against the Bush administration, um, trying to confabulate industrial hemp with medical cannabis, like that had, that had been sorted out and, um, you know, trying to get just normal visibility in the way that you do things like a merchant account to just process credit cards, you know, to be able to have a nice website, to be able to transactions. It was all really pretty simple, pretty easy. And, um, you know, we, we were able to operate unfettered for at least seven years. Um, the same merchant processor for seven years. I had the same, uh, we used to host our website with GoDaddy. I still do. And, you know, use one of their like prefab sites, which was easy for me. You know, I mean, we're small, like I said, you just get going and, and it worked just fine. Uh, and then, Later on, as time kind of progressed, I started seeing a lot more negativity uh, that would start getting generated uh, towards hemp companies. And within the last, there's been this big digital freakout, which started with Wells Fargo when Wells Fargo got busted um, and then got busted again. And for a lot of people that don't know about it, Wells Fargo is a is primary like want to run a credit card processing company you have to have a sponsoring people have two one of them's a primary the other one's a secondary so a, a lot of people don't know that wells fargo is a, a huge uh sponsor as an iso for a lot of credit card companies and when that, uh, credit processing companies merchant companies and so when they got busted, they had this big freak out. And so they tried to to try to what the Bush administration did years and years ago, and that's to equate medical cannabis and industrial hemp as, you know, sort of being the same. And then by falsely classifying them, try to justify their discrimination and their handling of credit card accounts. That was that's where a bunch of problems started over the last few years. People couldn't process cars for sales they couldn't process uh you know you'd get dropped by one merchant processor for another and then another and then another like you know square stripe paypal gateway um like i think we work with innovative gateway which is now part of quickbooks uh you know in into pay or into a payment services they they won't work with it and it was because of that classification of industrial hemp and trying to say that it's a a dispensary or marijuana related company or you know activity and then they discriminate against it and it caused a lot of issues so it's really weird because i've been in this doing doing this for quite some time and in terms of the climate the climate to try although we're finally able to grow industrial hemp in the united states for the time in a long time um the the climate towards the hemp industry i think is a hundred times worse than it was even eight years ago or 10 years ago. Uh, you know, as when, when I had started my company, you know, you'd be able to run ads on Facebook, uh, Pinterest and, um, you know, Twitter and Instagram. And then when all this big, you know, the merchant prejudice right after that followed the digital prejudice of trying to misclassify it and so now we're in this freaky territory where we can grow industrial hemp and we have these incredibly legal incredibly amazing hemp products that are a lot more sophisticated even than it was way back then and yet our abilities to reach new customers talk to new customers work with new customers uh, is grossly limited and uh, there's a lot of that like that digital kind of shadow banning of industrial industrial hemp companies and it makes it really hard it makes it hard i think for the industry to thrive the way that it does and a lot of the a lot of the bodies that are out there that should be doing more um to me the very most important thing that a, a you know lobbying body could possibly do is to try to help 
uh, you know, help small companies or help hemp companies to be successful and make sure they get paid. And I, and there just hasn't been a lot of, uh, focus on that and activity. And then when you, uh, for whatever reason, like if I, if I ran the HIA, I, that's exactly where all my efforts would be is making sure that, you know, hemp, hemp companies aren't discriminated against by the digital giants and making sure that they can all run uh, credit card processing for their business, make money and thrive and really be, you know, a viable part of the economy, which they should be. <clears throat> and instead right now it's the opposite. So it's, it's weird. It's a weird scenario. Come really full circle. Um, and, and what's, what's hard is this time, you know, what the Bush administration did way back in, I think 2004, when they had tried to confabulate industrial hemp with medical cannabis, that's, that was knocked down, you know, and, and, uh, struck down by the Supreme Court. And that was a victory that was, that was won on Bob Marley's birthday, by the way. Uh, but this time around, they're getting away with it. You know, and it's been really, I think it's a, it's really, really weird territory because things are sort of gaining a little bit more acceptability, but this time these, you know, we have these really big companies and they're getting away with it. Nothing's been done. So it's, it's a, it's an odd scenario. I think it's an odd scenario where, where it's come full circle. There's this appreciation of certain things, but then we also have more discrimination. And now, especially since people have really begun to appreciate some of the incredible health benefits of cannabidiol and started to appreciate some of the health benefits they, I, I consider like hulled hemp seeds, like the softies to be really mainstream. Um, it's weird to me. It's weird to me that we wouldn't have, you know, ads for all kinds of hemp products all over the place. We, this is, you know, something that should be reaching a lot of customers. People should be able, you know, companies should be able to tell their stories and offer the distinctions of what they want to focus on. All this hard work that goes into producing good quality products to help customers connect with the right type of item to really help with their their health and it's weird. It's not, that's not the case, but you know, every, I think we all have to just try to find our way. Yeah. You know, I, I know very well the, um, the challenges that you speak of because the Elevon exodus affected like 40,000 businesses in the space. And by the way, CBD, CBD, like directly related to the plant are are not the only companies that are affected, but ancillary companies are also affected. Um, you know, as an education and, and media platform, we have found it extremely challenging to find merchant processing and, and not so much merchant processing because my good friend owns a merchant processor bank. So I'm kind of like, yo, yo. And he's like, yeah, I got your back. Um, and for those of you guys who are tuning in who who are hemp businesses or hemp ancillary companies, um, quiverpay.com, Steven Anderson, fantastic entrepreneur um, and you know owner of this merchant solution specific for cannabis and, and hemp CBD. Um, mm definitely can help you get connected there. He's, as I mentioned, close friend of mine. Um, You're welcome, Stephen. So, (laughs) so, um, you know, but we found it really, really challenging to to get placed with a bank and be taken seriously by a financial institution. And we were trying to get wired, you know, Five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars at a time because we work, you know, in a in agency capacity, and people are, you know, spending money to get in front of a consumer audience. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't touch the plant. We don't have a product. We're not selling products. We're hardly even promoting products. But they didn't care. The association is enough for them to justify denying our business, and it's really super challenging. The things that feel like they should be the most natural and easy to access have actually been the most challenging like banking and merchant processing and you know registering a domain and you know just like these random silly things that you feel like should be totally easy to get started have actually presented themselves and i think while the industry is blowing forward in you know huge gusts of hurricane type winds 
the rest of the world doesn't quite know. Oh, wait, we're like the rest of the world standing by being like, wait, hold on a second. We're legal. I thought we were just putting people in jail for this. Like now, oh, wait, Mm -hmm. that, you know, (laughs) like they're not quite sure what to do. We're kind of in microchasms. Like California is somewhat of a microchasm. They were like, yeah, industrial hemp. Thank Jesus, because now it's not chronic. Right. Yeah. So I think it's just a little bit, you know, for sure, not a little bit. It's a very big, you know, paradigm shift for everybody. And this is a lot of why I moved my education and information online because I was making a massive impact, you know, helping people get connected to products. But how useful are products if you don't really understand how to effectively use them? So we moved a lot of our education online so that the average Joe, um, you know, I'm not out to educate California or Colorado because California and Colorado have been smoking weed legally for, you know, (laughs) 15 years now. So they don't necessarily need the education. The people who need the education is like Grandma Joe from Alabama Avenue in fucking Mississippi. And they need to figure out how to fix and work with or like prevent or reverse chronic conditions using cannabis. Nothing else has worked. And now they're trying to move you know, into a more holistic practice and are just trying to figure out navigating, you know, their options without feeling overwhelmed or scared that they're still breaking the law. And that's right. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, the thing about it, like I'm, I'm, you know, only speaking for myself, I'm, I'm just all about proper terminology and really trying to make sure that the things are discussed in a way that's like accurate and that it's mature and that's true. Um, and it's, I, I like my best analogy is, uh, (laughs) like for me, like a weak spot is something of like, I'm, if I'm ill perceived, but based on something that's false. So like, if you and me were sitting there talking and I was like, Oh, Hey, you know, you're like, Oh yeah. You know, Jeff, you know, like, yeah, I'm not, (laughs) you're like, I don't, I don't like Jeff because he, you know, he, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something easy. Like he loves mint. (laughs) <laughs> he loves mint essential oil. He's always wearing that stuff. And, uh, you know, I can't stand mint or he, I found out that he loves mint. Um, and I, and, and I would be like, wait, what? I was like, no, I hate mint. Never. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't like mint and it's not, I never wear that essential. Oil. And I, and someone which but, but I do like mint by the way, but like, you know, someone said that and I'd be like, no, 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 no. So like I would be, if, if they, if they had an issue with me <laughs> because they just didn't, you know, there was something else like, okay, that'd be great. But if it, if it was based on a false preception, then that would bother me. It would bother me a lot. And I'd be like, okay, wait a minute. And like, and if, you know, if I got that straightened out and go, okay, here, you know, this is great. Um, and if I, if they decided that they still didn't like me and then we were eye to eye that I, you know, that, that, uh, I'm not wearing mint all over the place. And they're like, yeah, that's cool. Okay. We got that cleared up, but I'm still not into you. And it's like, great. Okay. That's cool. I'm fine with it. But you know, that, that part of being ill perceived based on something that's not true is something that is just something I really don't like. And it's exactly the same way as it is with these different, uh, with different ingredients and different substances and aspects of, you know, cannabis or, uh, it's all chemistry. And I really like, I need accuracy in the way that that chemistry gets discussed to, I, you know, it needs to be done clearly. And like kind of the way that you said, people to understand and navigate and helping people to walk through, you know, these different variables and just different little subsets of, everything from industrial hemp all the way to medical cannabis to specialized subsects of medical cannabis like a THCA or something um and you know using proper words you know proper words of you know whatever winterization or decarboxylizing or um anything just anything just to have it really calmly and accurately discuss is just so important to me because it's like some some of those discussions they take a little while chemistry has a certain element of just some calm sophistication to it and that's why i really enjoy it but it's really hard to, to reach people and to help have those good clear proper mature grown-up conversations to just walk it through you know from 
A to B to C and help people really feel anchored and educated in that good information so that they can make an informed decision. It just takes, it's just, it takes so much longer and there's so much more frustration um, in that trajectory when people are trying to pick the things that work for them, help them to be healthy, help them to be well, and they get the results that they need when they're not able to even you know, like we're not, when we're not able to reach some of these people the way that we need to, um, with just even proper, good, clear information because of, you know, because of weird, um, however you like to phrase it, you know, uh, or discrimination, misinformation, disinformation, hysteria, propaganda, whatever you kind of doubt there in the way. Well, I call it generational transmission. I mean, we've been up against the same challenges for multiple decades now. And I think it's, it starts from the source, right? There's a difference between nature and our nurture and our nurture would challenge our minds to believe that most things outside of the quote unquote system are not to be trusted right? So that there was holistic health and aromatherapy and integrative health and, you know, all these different things that have come into the forefront that are, do not originate in our Western culture, but in Eastern um, medicines and have been ancient practices from, you know, the Chinese and the Hindu and the Indian, you know, Native American, all of these different cultures that have been integrated into our culture here in the Western part of the world. However, the system that we built here has been safe and trustworthy and protective and, you know, blah, 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 and secure and all the things that we thought were true up until like circa 1975, maybe, or post-Vietnam War when we figured out like, chances are you guys are full of shit and we should probably (laughs) for ourselves, you know, like, let's be serious. Thanks to the hippie movement and, you know, the, um, terrible, terrible repercussions to our families and communities of, you know, the draft and the Vietnam War and how our soldiers came back and, you know, how they're still struggling to recover from the trauma that they endured, you know, being torn from their families and thrown into war-torn countries, you know, the pattern hasn't stopped. But what has stopped is the confidence that we, you know, there was, there was a time and there was a time in history in, of this country where the confidence that one had in our government and in our system and in our governing municipalities and the quote-unquote pecking order of things, it was unshakable. You could, you could literally, it was tangible. You could feel the, the, the fabric of trust that kept this country together. And now we are in a place where like the millennial generation or generation X is like, Hmm, I wonder if climate change is actually the bigger problem here. Like, you know, like they're asking Mm -hmm. bigger questions and they're pushing the limits and boundaries for all types of freedoms. And certainly understanding the importance of asking questions seven layers deep. So one thing that always trips me out, and you'll you'll appreciate this, I think, because of your history as a nutritionist and working with plant-based medicines, starting with food. Like, by the way, guys, food is the number one plant-based medicine that you could be using. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of your history and understanding of all of this, I'm sure you share the mindset in the industry of hemp that like, I'm always confused beca- by the fact that people are asking these questions like, um, is your hemp grown on the underbelly of a virgin goat that was kissed by Christ himself? Because if it's not, <laughs> I'm not sure that I'll be able to take it. It could have an adverse reaction with my other supplements. Yes, I know they're full of iron and mercury, but that's okay. Cause yeah. you know, so like there's this, there's this elitist mentality around the hemp products that people are taking when in fact they should be asking similar questions about their agent orange covered fucking grain that they're stuffing their faces with three meals a day, you know? So, well, you, you struck on a good point and that, you know, again, that just goes back to good chemistry and, you know, and it's funny. Uh, I mean, there's a segment of the people I mean, there's a segment of shoppers that are out there who just love, like, I don't know. I've all, I've always just had this idea that there's a segment of shoppers that's out there who 
who just love the more outlandish of a of an esoteric story like the more that they'll go for it and i don't know why that is and i honestly just don't know what that's about and you said it exactly right you know you're like well this was growing up on the top of a himalayan mountain you know and pick yeah pick, but, this you know, pick single seed dropped yeah, from the yeah, anus of a virgin five. bird that's right yeah picked by picked by five you know virgins who you know voluntarily hurled themselves off the cliff right after it's picked, never <laughs> and use their you know, belly never. buttons as fertilizer that's right yeah and i don't know why that is i don't i don't know why that is and i still haven't figured it out maybe people just feel that somehow you know the more elaborate of an esoteric story that it has somehow the more pristine of an item it might be in that unfortunately i mean fortunately and unfortunately that it, you know it's good chemistry is what will always uh separate something and good practices and good formulation and good accountability uh finding that good accountability is what will separate everything it's the same type of questions like some people say oh well you know well, do you have your own do you have your own farm or you know your own hemp farm and i was like no absolutely not i, was like, I would never i mean it, it's okay i would it's cool to have a hemp farm. I think that sounds fun. Like as, as somebody loves land and farming and growing. Sure. I mean, that sounds like super, but no. Yeah. That, it's like that, sexy for a season and then you want to go home. <laughs> it is. And it doesn't ensure anybody, anything, something's more and clean because it would still come back to what you represent on your lab analyses and your certificate of analyses, following good GMP guidelines and good supplier contracts, making sure that stuff shows up right it, it'll always go back to what you know what your lab analyses and what your certificate of analyses look like and make sure that you're really being responsible and aggressive at keeping those pure and clean testing or testing for the things that keep it uh that keep things secure for, for my company uh, our standard default is you know we test for pesticides herbicides fungicides um, microbials, heavy metals, you know, and constituent. And uh, if, I, if there's some type of a, yeah, something that can maybe get mushed in with a different product, I, I you know, like or, or uh, diluted, then we make sure that we uh, test for that too. Um, although that's something that's very common, it's it's in there. And then you can also test for the strength. Of, you know, you're testing for potency purity, composition, and strength, and that's for every ingredient on every item every single time. And I I think understand that like um it, you know it's kind of like the same those same types of questions someone will say, hey have you gone to a particular have you gone to this particular farm where something's grown? It's like, um, well, you know, one I'm cruised and I said, hey, but it's like that doesn't i'm not sure i understand the nature of the question and well have you seen where it's grown it's like well i mean i physically seen the actual farm i was like but i don't i don't understand that correlates to the notion that something's pure because what am i going i'm going to walk up to a plant and look at it really close with my face i'm going to touch the soil and sniff it or something no it's all going to go back to those good clean lab statistics, you know, making sure that you're, you know, testing for those good clean stats and potency, purity, composition, strength, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, heavy metals, and microbials, making sure that everything checks out um, when you do it. That's what separates. Um, that's what separates the men from the boys, and I think that's what people should really pay attention to. That's why I mean, that's why I love chemistry. It doesn't really care who is or isn't looking at it. And there's a little bit of discretion uh, in the way that people administer or try to run certain certain tests. But I mean, the results will still have to be the same. And I, I think that if people paid a lot more attention to making sure that those good clinical statistics were being maintained and making sure that you're getting things from people that are aware of them and following them and really being results-driven, being science-driven, <clears throat> I think you're going to have people that have a lot better experience in the products that they try to get rather than chasing after some um, elaborate fairy tale that somebody's constructed just to try to lure, you know, to lure those more um, esoteric based shoppers. And it's, you know, it's not, I'm, and I don't mean to like belittle somebody that happens to sort of default to stuff like that. It's just, a, it's just more of 
questioning, is this the best analytical method to determine that you're getting an ingestible product that is going to get you results? There could be a lot of other things that can be really touchy-feely and cool like that. And that's great. That might actually serve them very well in a different part of life. But for picking a good nutritional product and getting something that is going to help your, you know, your health, good quantifiable results are what is going to be something that's a lot more reliable. Um, you'll still always have a vibe about something. You're always going to have those good gut feelings. And I'm a big believer in, um, you know, your gut and your intuition. But in terms of picking products, I think that it's so much better for people to spend that energy and just to say, Hey, you know, do you guys follow GMP guidelines? Do you, you know, do you test for, you know, this and this and this, you know, how long have you been and how long have you worked with these products? How long, um, you know, is this some, like when you're looking for products, you say, well, is this somebody that just showed up overnight to cash in on a fad that's going to be here and gone and sell the company in two years and take off to Bermuda and not care about anybody? Um, or is this somebody that's been invested in the industry for a long time that is trying to make sure this stuff is good? Are you in it for the long, the long haul? Because there's always fad companies. There's always fad companies that are out there. And as someone that's worked in this industry for a long time, I can definitely say single time something gets a little bit popular, you'll see some companies that pop up overnight and they're here and they're gone and that's it it happened with if you really want to go hop in the way back machine if you would see that um way back with the fedra and like xenadrine you would see that with uh different types of vitamin a when a was you know um under some uh you know some, some different scrutiny we saw that with um 5-htp we saw that with acai uh, we've seen that with different types of mate. We've seen that with, I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, especially acai, which was probably really popular in like, you know, 2009, 2010, all those different types of um, superfruit berries were really, really popular. Um, and every time, it's always the same pattern. You know, there's a couple really awesome companies that really get some stuff going. And they have good roots in the industry, good roots at producing good quality items, you know, and, and they'll be the ones that get all the attention, um, rightly so, right off the bat. And you'll see some little fad companies pop up somewhere in the middle. And then usually they make unjustified claims. Usually they say things that they shouldn't. They say a bunch of stupid shit that gets everybody, gets a lot of negative attention to an industry that already can't afford to have negative attention. Uh, generated by people that say things that they shouldn't or that aren't aware of cautionary FDA guidelines. And then, then they, you know, they kind of fade out or, you know, people get burned out on some of that. These, you know, they won't produce great products and they'll, you know, whatever. And then they'll go back to the same good backbone anchoring companies that have been there all along. And that cycle stays consistent every single time you know i could set my watch to it and um and i really think and that's why i think having good clinical science and good clinical statistics is just important on producing things that are really clean and clear and you want to make sure that everything is and preferably from someone who's personally invested uh in making sure that they're clear that understands that you know your products are a guest in somebody's home they're not something that people just buy and do it's like when i think of our products i'm like dude we're we're guests you know we we have a, a responsibility to make sure that whatever is there is really clean and really clear and really fresh and does what it's supposed to do and you know to just like the way that you should treat people the way that you would want to be treated you know you make products that you would want to take yourself with the integrity that it has and i wish there was more people that just approached their product making like that, um, regardless, you know, regardless of how big or how small they are. I really, people just thought about it like that, but you know, that's, that's just not the world we live in, but that doesn't mean that we have to, you know, doesn't mean we have to join in the fray. We'll, we'll be that good backbone. Totally. Well, you know, generally I ask like, Hey, what are some key pieces of words, you know, 
key pieces of wisdom that you can share with our community in regards to being in business. But I think over the last, like, I don't know, 35, 45 minutes, all you've done is drop truth bombs and massive value. (laughs) So not sure. Um, anyone who's listening, this entire episode is considered a words of wisdom. So pay heed and uh, take note. But Jeff, I do want to know where can folks find you if they want to follow along with your journey or find your products? Um, See, you know, we just depends where you live. So if you just want to hop on the digital wagons, we're uh, set up on, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, Pinterest. We are, we have two to post daily. We're always sharing new content. Um, and, uh, Jeff's best.net is our website. Um, just best.net nice and short and sweet. And um, that's our, our fancy new site that looks really spiffy if I do say so myself. And, um, uh, and if you are here on the West coast, you know, we've, we've, limited ourselves intentionally to uh, a small range of wholesale uh, you know chains and stores that we work with here that's always been the way that I like to do business just to try to give lots of extra love to our wholesale stores that are local and to try to reach uh, reach people online uh, farther out and that's changing a little bit but for right now um, you know our products are carried at uh, Bristol Farms and Lazy Acres, Lassen's, Mother's Market and Kitchen, Jimbo's in San Diego, um, Pacific Health Food and Carpinteria, and we we kind of cover everything from the Mexican border all the way up to about Cambria, and that's kind of where that taps out. And we, you know, we sort ah, of love Cambria. Yeah, it's super pretty um really it's so nice up there but um yeah that that's kind of the range of wholesale stores that we work with that are in there and then everything else is online and we always you know i'm i'm a big believer in just really trying to be direct and connect with our customers uh online like that because there's just so many things that can interfere with customers getting the products that they that they need the industry has changed you know there's a lot of things that uh, make a product lamp shelf in a store that are not related. It's different than it used to be. Unfortunately, you know, there's some more corporate bribery and things that happen, unfortunately. So I try to make sure that if people just want to order online and that they don't want to have to deal with waiting for something to show up into a store or whatever, we are, we're always running really good promotions and, uh, you know, we have really low minimums. It's free shipping for anything that's a hundred bucks or more. And, um, I mean, we're, we just really try to connect. It's really important to me to like, try to connect with our tribe and try to connect with people that are looking for good stuff. We'll always bend over backwards to make sure that people are really happy customers. It's not just about making awesome products. It's about having really happy customers. It's their, you know, part and parcel. Um, so we'll always just make sure that people are treated really well and really good. It's the, it's a big thing with me. So I make sure that that always happens. Love that. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with me here today. And for those of you guys who are tuning in and can hear my two-year-old screaming bloody murder in the background, <laughs> hashtag COVID-19, bitches, <laughs> fucking judge away. Because um, I have... <laughs> so like, get back to your quarantine cookies and just know that I'm over here with screaming children and still making life happen. So um, anyways, I'm super grateful to have you on the show nutrition um and nutrition nutritional health plant-based diet um at least 80 percent of my you know of my diet um and a lot of the supplements that go along with that are just mandatory and making sure that you are feeling good and functioning well and when in in the spirit of covid19 and talking about what it actually takes to either prevent illness or recover quickly from an illness um all starts in the gut and your gut health is everything if you have stagnation in the gut pretty uh, you know you are basically building a reserve for viruses, bacterias, or dis-ease to, uh, to, uh, you know, thrive in that type of environment. Also stress and, um, stress is a huge, huge component. And I'll just put it to you like this. Dis-ease 
or physical dis-ease is a physical manifestation of emotional stagnation. So I encourage each and every one of you guys to find a way to filter through the emotional body and move the stagnation that has been you know, plaguing your physical body and use this as an opportunity to not make excuses, but to, you know, really jumpstart how you are going to move into self-aware care or self-consciousness. It really requires Mm -hmm. us to be self-conscious so that we can, in fact, make the right choices to care for ourselves differently than we ever have before. And number one complaint as to why people don't work out or get active or, you know, do the necessary preparations for proper food and nutrition is time. People say it takes too much time. And then the second one is too much money. And then the third is you're just straight lazy and don't want to say it, but I just did for you. So (laughs) I highly suggest that you get your fucking shit together. Excuse my language, but I can cuss on here because I'm uncensored. And, um, and I can tell you guys for real, like, um, I, nothing changed for me and nothing would have changed for me in my life had I not done the, the, a multi-prong approach in addressing the mindset that would allow me to explore and implement um, you know, things like nutritional changes and then adding in the commitment and dedication um, and stick-to-itiveness that is necessary when you implement you know, supplements. I know all of you guys have bought handfuls and boxes fulls of supplements and they just sit collecting dust. And then you're like, oh, expired. I guess I'll buy the next best thing. But the fact of the matter is, is that you guys have to really take you know, time to consciously adjust your habits so that you can get different results. And that's not comfortable. And you're probably like, oh, fuck off, Sonia, it's COVID. But like yeah. the, you know, the real truth is, is that it could be COVID, it could be cancer, that disease cannot exist in a, in a fluid environment. Moving water is safe to drink. Just think about it like that. Okay. You don't want to drink something that's a stagnant pond where like your cows have been feeding and pooping. You want to drink water that's rushing in a river. And that's why Arrowhead Mountain Spring water is so popular because it's this gushing geyser of fresh water at the, t- at the top of the mountain, like nothing can contaminate it. It's the same thing with your body as a temple and you have to create an environment where there's fluidity and movement and not stagnation. And that's how you can prevent and quickly overcome any of the inevitable illnesses that will introduce themselves to you and try and make friends. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> just want to lay that down on the line there. Um, hashtag get it together and um, don't get into your COVID crisis mode because the fact of the matter is, is that all things aside, as scary as things are, there's plenty of things and uh, to look at as an opportunity. And I just want to be that voice of reason and encouragement for you guys. I'm your hostess with the most is Sonia Gomez and this is the hemp revolution. All of the social media channels will be posted around this, uh, around this episode. Make sure that you check them out. Thanks so much for tuning in guys. And we'll see you on our next show. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.